Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the New Lexington Bible Church Weekly Devotional Podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, and uh, thank you once again for tuning in. And I think we're going to do a quick trip through the Epistle of Paul um, to Titus. And uh, this probably will only take a few weeks. And then I think after Titus, I think we're going to go to Psalms for our weekly devotionals. So, uh, Titus was on my heart because uh, we were preaching out of John chapter 12 for our morning worship, and it got on the topic of Greeks that had come to worship Jesus. And uh, at the time, of course, uh, was before Jesus was crucified, and so it had raised a question on whether or not it was acceptable for them to come and worship and everything else, because they were Greeks and they weren't a part of the commonwealth of Israel and weren't permitted to do a lot of the things with the Jews and everything else. Um, but then we find in the Bible that we are not to be ashamed of the gospel, right? Um, because it is the power of salvation, right? I mean, that's the, that the whole thing is, 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 uh, the gospel saves both the Jew and the Greek. And we learned that the term Greek actually would go all the way to the point of, uh, talking about all Gentiles, um, if you would. And so, um, all nations kind of and all Gentiles kind of will be grouped into that same category with the Greeks. And then um, I was kind of looking at all of that and in the process of doing so, um, I found and was reminded that Titus, in fact, was Greek. And uh, we know the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so the fact that Titus was a Greek and um, and also we, we see some of that because he was not uh, circumcised and, and everything else. And so uh, there was a lot that happened with that and I won't get, get into all the details of that for our, for our podcast, but... Uh, it just shows that God can call somebody and give great responsibility to somebody that before their life is touched by Christ, before their salvation, before their conversion, uh, they were somebody that would have been um, completely without any privilege uh, in the household of God. Amen. And so, uh, right. So you have to keep in mind that the time frame. you know, Titus would have been somebody least likely. He's an unlikely vessel, somebody that uh, wouldn't have been the first choice of man, wouldn't have been highly regarded as a competent fit for ministry. Yet he was the man that God chose and called. And Paul, being the apostle, uh, writes to Titus here, and, and this will we'll give you a little bit more of a, 
introduction to the study and then I'll say a word of prayer and then we'll get into chapter one but Paul is the apostle of the church which we know the apostles function is the putting in the foundation of the church that it would grow after them and continue into the pattern that had been revealed to them by the Lord Jesus Christ now Titus um, is one that was given a great responsibility here and we find this in chapter one um, his responsibility being to look after the divine order within the within the local churches. Um, any church that's ever been involved in planting churches or being the founding church of a mission church feels that burden. Um and desire to keep things in order um, in those churches. And we'll find out here during uh, this time period with Titus that there were some things that were wanting. And I think I think those things are still wanting today. Amen. Uh, but so the focus here is on divine order of the church. Uh, we'll see a couple things in Titus that many churches uh, had, be- had become careless both on handling the truth of God, but also on keeping proper order in God's house. And um, and so Paul is commissioning Titus here to do a great work and giving him great responsibility. And uh, And just look at how this starts. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the study here in Titus. And um, for putting this on my heart, and I've already um, begun my study here, God, and it's it's speaking to my heart, and I hope it'll be a blessing to all those that listen in, God. And um, thank you for revealing your word to us. Help us to understand it, to learn from it, to apply this knowledge and wisdom in our lives, in our churches, in our community. Um, Lord, that we may make a difference and be faithful and obedient to your will. Uh, God, I ask that you bless this study this morning. Give me the words to teach in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Titus chapter 1, verse 1 starts out. The scripture reads, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I like that because Paul saying to be a servant of God is more important to be an apostle of Christ. You know, there's a lot of people today that call themselves apostles. It's the first thing they want you to know about them. Paul says, first of all, I'm a servant of God. Before I'm any title and before I'm anything else, the most important thing is that I serve the Lord. According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So it's important in any position of authority that one, you have strong faith. You have to have faith. Um, How can you instruct and lead others in a faith if you don't have faith yourself? Now, how do we see somebody's faith? Well, remember when we studied James, faith has a way of manifesting itself through works that others can see those works and understand um, the testimony of the person who's making that profession of faith. And so... 
there's a couple of things. There's a lot of ministers out there today that claim to have faith, but their works deny the divine order of the church, the divine truth of God in the written word. And so if their lifestyle or their condoning of lifestyles that are clearly against biblical order um, God has put all things in order He's he, God is a God of organization the very framing of the earth space the planets, the stars the creation of all life the creation of human he made male and female everything has a pattern everything has organization everything has structure so when somebody says they have faith, but then they change the word and they condone things that God is against, it shows that they really don't have faith. Because if you really had faith in the word of God, you would stand on the word as the truth, even though it contradicts cultural norms, standards, and expectations. Amen? It doesn't matter what the world thinks. If it's against God's word, it's wrong. What our quote is at church for the month is, wrong does not cease to be wrong just because the majority share in it. True? And I like that quote. Uh, so here, the first and foremost is you have to have faith. That faith will have to manifest. People have to witness that faith in action. Um, <clears throat> and then it says this, in the acknowledging of the truth that goes right in with faith I acknowledge every word of this Bible as the truth um, and because of that that coincides with my profession of faith that me acting on my convictions according to the word will manifest works that show people my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, this brings about godliness in my life. Am I a godly person? The pause is for a reason. I can do better. I want to do better. But I would like to think that yes, I am would be considered a godly person. What does that really mean to be godly? I've decided to live my life in pursuit of God. And I want to do my best to be pleasing to Him. And while I fail and I mess up and I fall short, I acknowledge those things and I go to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness and for help in those areas, right? Now it says this in verse 2, In hope of eternal life. There's no greater hope than the hope that is given to us when we accept Christ as Savior and we receive the blessed promise of eternal life. And it says this, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Eternal life was part of God's plan the whole time. And He can't lie. Um, he honors His word above all else. And He promised eternal life before the world began. Who did He promise, to, promise it to? He promised eternal life to whosoever 
shall call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Amen. Whosoever believeth in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. Look, I'm telling you, <clears throat> when God promises it, he means it. Now verse 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through how? Preaching. The importance of the role of preaching. And by the way, we cannot call ourselves to preaching. A school can't call us to preach. Our parents can't call us to preach. Only God can call somebody to preach. And once somebody answers the, God, uh, the calling and surrenders to that, we don't really have control over where we, we do. We have the ability to resist the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to hinder God's work in our ministries. But if we're really truly surrendered to the will of God, we don't have control over where we go and serve in the Lord's ministry. It's his ministry. It's not Brother Brian's church. It's not Brother Brian's ministry. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's church, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry. And I just need to try to do my best to um, do things the way he wants them done and to bring honor and glory to him. But there's a big problem today with young ministers. They don't want to work regular jobs as supplemental income or to provide for their family. They don't want to do the hard work out in the community, the mission field. They don't want to get out and do the soul winning, the door knocking. They don't want to go do all that. Um, they want to go into a big church that's established with people. Um, they want to get into the pulpit and just teach and preach, do some visits. They want to live in a parsonage. They want a good salary, some retirement income, some help with insurance. They want, 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 want. Who are you? Like, first of all, the reason you need to be put under somebody else's wing, especially if you're going to be called into a large, but first of all, the Lord's going to tell you what church that you're going to minister in. And that door will open. It won't be forced. All right. It's not going to be, um, you're not going to take it through self-will. It's uh, the, the, the door is open. The Holy Spirit will guide you into that opportunity. Um, and that and, and when even when when God's all over it, it's not easy to transition. Um, it's not easy to take on those roles because there's a lot of things that have to come into play. You know you don't just walk in someplace and get everyone's respect on day one. And furthermore, a young minister is a novice. And the Bible says you can't be a novice and be a pastor. Um, and, you know, I hope some young guys get a hold of this one going into the ministry. Because you need to understand that um, it takes a long time of observations and seeing how older pastors handle certain things to, to, to develop the sense of humility that it takes to understand that if you're if you're 25, 26, 27 years old and you've been married for only a few years and your children are young and you go into some place and you don't have a lot of life experience you could get bulldozed with situation after situation that you don't understand how to handle and the, and, and the thing is for, 
you got to understand that's why it's called ministry. You're there to help people um, and to be a blessing to them no matter what. And not everything's personal. But the younger you are, the newer you are, the easier it is to take things personal and to be more personally affected by it. So even in a a smaller church um, is a good place because you really develop those closer relationships faster with everyone. And they're a great training ground, great place to learn some things. Um, you know, and I, and I believe that God calls men to smaller churches for long-term ministry as well. I believe I've been called to, uh, to my church as, you know, New Lexington Bible Church. We're, we're a little bit of a smaller church. I think we're growing, we're doing well, but I believe that's where God wants me. And, uh, and, and not for a resume job because ministry is not a career path. It's a calling. Guys need to get their heads examined with the way they treat churches. There's things wanting in churches today. There's small churches in need of good men to pastor them and good men to be deacons and elders. And it seems like a lot of these men are flocking to these larger congregations and there's competitive spirit and there's all this other stuff going on. There's this big preacher, little preacher nonsense. Uh, what are we doing? Is it the biblical pattern? Is it what Paul's addressing to Titus here? Um, but here's what we know. The hope of eternal life is manifested in his word through preaching. We need to be preaching the gospel. Big church, little church, street corner, jail cell, Uh, prison ministry, nursing home ministry, wherever we are, wherever the Lord puts us, we better be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul then says this is committed, he says, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. I want you to highlight that in your Bible. Because here's Paul... Who was a he was a Jew of Jews, Amen. He was a, a proud Pharisaical, was in the hierarchy of of, of Jewish uh, tradition. Was a before his conversion was um, the spearhead of Christian persecution. Um, and here's Titus, a Greek. These two would have been the furthest apart. If there was anybody that could have outcasted Titus, ostracized Titus degraded Titus, treated Titus like he wasn't good enough. If there was anybody that could have treated this young man like he didn't have a rightful place in the ministry, wasn't good enough to be a pastor. If there was anybody that could have downsized him or knocked him down a peg, it would have been Paul. But Paul, mature in his faith, understanding his own calling and the mercy of God refers to Titus as his own son. You know, all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior are entreated with this same endearment from God. We are the children of God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? We don't deserve any of that. God should put us away permanently 
cast us into hell. We should be ostracized from being in God's family. We should be, you know, outcasted, downgraded. And you know what? When we're without Christ, we are. It says we're without God and we're without hope in the world. But when we accept Jesus, everything changes. We become the sons and daughters of God. And no matter how different we are than other people, when they come into the faith, we're to treat them as our own children or our own sisters or our own mothers in the household of the faith. Amen. I just love that term of endearment that he says, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith. Young men also need grown men to take them under their wing, encourage them, and treat them as a son after the common faith. Then he says this, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And so we're going to stop on that verse and we'll get more into the appointment of elders. But do make note of Paul's instructions here to Titus that he should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee there's things to put in order in the church and there's a need for men to stop putting everything else before God careers Sports, whatever else is out there, and start putting God first. Get your affairs in order. Get into the local church. Go where God is sending you and get to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for us to grow up, man up, accept some responsibility, and help our churches no matter how small or large, to thrive and prosper in these end times in the ministry of the gospel. One pastor can't do it alone. Uh, A lot of great men are getting up in years and going home to be with the Lord. And we've got way too many young men that just don't have a clue coming in behind them. And some of it is a lack of calling on their life. We need to be in prayer for these things. Men out there that pick up this podcast, you need to ask the Lord what He wants you to do with your life. Because it's important that even if we have careers and other things going on, that we put Him first. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this uh, very convicting message. Lord, I myself have a very demanding career. But I also have a very fulfilling calling. And, um, Lord, it seems like I'm at my best and I'm happiest when I'm serving you. And uh, it's very hard to balance these things in life. Want, you know, every solid man wants to be the best dad and the best husband. 
and I want to provide for my family and I want to be faithful to you and I want to be a good servant in my church and um, Lord it's something we can't do without your constant leading guidance and and, and, and uh, instruction um, so Lord lead us and show us which way to go and God as Paul was addressing to Titus I, I share in this prayer our churches need men Lord to put down all of the entertainment and distractions and man up and accept some responsibility and be a help and be a blessing in their churches for you. Um, you certainly deserve our devotion because you paid the ultimate price for us on the cross for our sin. Lord, help us keep this in mind. Help us meditate on this this week. And um, Lord, I pray that more men will surrender their life to a calling that you are putting on their life <clears throat> to be a blessing to many people in their communities in service to you with the gospel. We love you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you again for tuning in to the New Lexington Bible Church Weekly Devotional Podcast. I'll see you next time.